So y- your audio is good? Yeah, I'm good. Perfect. This just in, though. This just in? Yeah. Thank God for Twitter. Washington, of course. CNN reports. The White House continues to deny collusion with Russia a day after multiple indictments of Russian nationals and entities were announced by the Justice Department in special counsel Robert in special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. In a string of tweets Saturday, President Donald Trump said that despite the newly announced charges, the Russian meddling had no effect on the outcome of the election. Um, there was no collusion with the Trump campaign, and so on and so forth. Uh, There is no allegation in the indictment that any American was a knowing participant in this illegal activity. There is no allegation in the indictment that the charge conducted, or that the charge conduct altered the outcome of the 2016 election, Trump tweeted. This makes it clear and concise for the American people and proves the president correct. No collusion between Trump, his campaign, and Russia. Deputy White House Press Secretary Hogan Gidley said on Fox News on Saturday. I think part of that was also, they were saying that some of the Russian interference was happening back in like 2014 before Trump ever announced that he was going to run for office. So I'm sure they had a hand in it, but it was just in general. Wasn't necessarily with Trump. This is this has been going on for quite some time. Where they're saying that there's been this Russian interference, but it's ever since the beginning, everybody's like, okay, well, what's your evidence? What's your evidence for this? And it's this weird, mystified thing where, like, some people who really got down deep into it would say that maybe like there was Facebook ads or bot accounts, Russian bots, and doing things. But they at first were making it sound like the the you know the ballot counters or something that were being hacked. But at this point, they've said no, that never. No ballot counters at any point have been hacked. It's just, it's, it's this weird thing where it's like, okay, so the Russians maybe influenced to persuade, the way yeah. that American citizens voted. But at the end of the day, lots of external factors always influence the way that somebody's going to, to vote within their own country. Like if some other country's threatening war against them, they might vote for a certain leader that's going to take it very seriously and take, you know, home defense seriously. So it's, this weird thing where they just keep grasping at straws, trying to say that there's Russian interference in the elections. And that there's, they're already saying, oh, there's already Russian interference in this next election we're going to have, too. It's a very strange thing. I think the, the other thing about it is all of, like, most of the news outlets have said that it would not be smart for Donald Trump to go in face-to-face, person-to-person with Robert Mueller and answer the questions that the investigation has because they're afraid that he could tangle himself up in a way that would, you know, get him in trouble. Now, other people are also saying, if you are completely innocent, go Mm -hmm. and do it. But the problem is, I could probably tangle myself to the point of being in trouble because if my facts get, you know, mixed up two times after I tell the story... Then, then even something that is factual, if my facts slip, then there's something wrong. So just because he doesn't want to do it in person doesn't mean that he's guilty. I can't think of a single instance where Trump has yet been scrutinized to the level that you would, you would get in some kind of investigation where, like, 
you're meant to ask, you know, answer very specific questions and they're just going to pick at every single flaw in the, the answers that you're giving and dig into every detail. I don't think Trump can stand up to that kind of scrutiny, regardless of what the topic is. You I don't know, think so either. His usual way is just shouting, you know, that this is fake news, this is wrong, you know, some kind of witch hunt's going on. Well, it's amazing the power he has. Some of the stuff doesn't really make sense. The whole um, Stormy Daniels, the the prostitute, or mm -hmm. sorry, not prostitute, I apologize, <laughs> porn star. Porn star. There's a big difference. I yeah. apologize. There we go. Um, the porn star, and they paid him, or they paid her off. His lawyer, in that case, is saying that it was paid out of his own pocket. Not Trump's, the lawyer's pocket. And that doesn't make sense. But Sorry. if the lawyer's saying it, that separates the payment of somebody being paid off by a president-elect or future president of the United States and has the lawyer, you know, paying off the the porn star so even stuff like that no i don't i don't i don't think that there's no lawyer in the world that would pay off a porn star out of his own pocket unless he was getting paid out more in law legal fees and in which case it is basically the exact same thing as trump paying said porn it all star. depends on how you do your accounting right <laughs> so many weird things like that too that they're trying to trying to get him on <clears throat> i remember the whole story about him going and in Russia and having a room full of prostitutes that would urinate? Yep, urinate on them. Back then, that was big news. People yeah. were like, let's see the tape. And then very shortly after, it came up that it was entirely faked. And mm -hmm. then BuzzFeed released something that was totally unverified. Yep. I don't even know if they ever, I think they apologized for something like that. I don't know if they apologized, and there's still a certain amount of people that are, you know, certain that the tape exists in some capacity. I, I can't, I would 100% guarantee that at some point in his life, he has probably been with a escort. Yeah. Just based on money. Yeah. Just based on, you know, how he acted, although weirdly with Stormy Daniels, it seems like he very possibly could have. And for all we know, it very possibly could have been in Russia peeing on the bed that's a detail that i don't need yeah and that shouldn't change anything if you're in realistically every time one of these weird sex scandals comes up with a president i i think a lot of people's modern sensibilities would should be who cares even if he's cheating on his wife at the end of the day that doesn't affect me personally no I'm sure people think of him as a shady shady character or that or they might have other religious or ethical convictions that would lead them, them to believe that he's no longer a the suitable the, person the, to leave the The religious country. advocates, after people found out about the Stormy Daniels thing, they gave him a gimme. They were like, eh, he made a mistake. So even the religious fanatics are like, we still... Well, they've been doing that the whole time, though, right? All the but, evangelicals. Um, well, the, the difference between a confirmed uh, affair... With Stormy Daniels versus a alleged affair with Russian hookers in a hotel room. Back then, that was big news. The Stormy Daniels stuff, if it was Obama and somebody was like, hey, I got paid off by Obama a few weeks before the election. I had sex with him while his wife was pregnant. That would that, That's a scandal. 
That would have been insane. Mm -hmm. We swept it under the, we swept this under the rug pretty much. Like not completely. She's still mentioned and whatnot, but it wasn't as big as it was. She was on only one talk show. Monica Lewinsky was on multiple talk shows many times. So I don't know. It's very interesting. seems like at this point, the fact that he had sex with a porn star is such such a drop in the bucket compared to everything else. Yes, I I would say it's quite insignificant how he'll be viewed. And and they keep picking this, the whole Russia investigation to death. I mean, I don't know if people care that much anymore. Pe- people that typically would identify as Democrats or lots of journalists are still going hard on it, but I don't know how much their audiences really care at this point. There has uh, well for TV, you would think there would have to be people that care enough to view. It'd be nice to know what the ties were. I mean, obviously, if it dates back to 2014 or whatever, yes, there was probably some sort. There, there was Russian influence. That's dead. Sure. We can probably agree to that. That in some capacity they influence. Beyond that, I've I've seen a lot of YouTubers do sort of a a documentary style look into what Trump may have been doing with like mob bosses or, or people that are of very high positions of power, especially within Russia. And it, it seems like he's had lots of shady deals with these kind of people in the past. True. So it wouldn't be that hard to believe that he did have something going on during the presidential race. I think the, th- I think the thing that the collusion with Russia, if they get him on anything, because I think somebody in his, in his, capacity would be smart enough to try to keep his hands as clean as possible while dirtying the hands of others mm-hmm. even as far as doing it to his son-in-law which is fine i guess ethics aside <laughs> but i think the biggest possibility is he could have like offshore accounts in russia that aren't accounted for which could be you know just illegal like tax evasion accounts, and that could be the problem. And on top of that, too, he's, I mean, this gets brought up quite often, but he still hasn't released the financial information about himself that many Americans are asking for. It doesn't look good. No, it doesn't. But I'm assuming that in, if, if I had offshore accounts, if I had illegal accounts, and this is not true, but if I had offshore accounts, you would have to assume that on my taxes, mm-hmm. it would be listed. Yes, if he releases them, they'll be heavily scrutinized. So they definitely shouldn't be on there if they are. But if I did have any offshore accounts, they'd be either completely off the record or they'd be in the form of some sort of company that I owned or something like that. I don't, I don't know how you would do that. I don't know how you would... Keep it on the record. But at that point, he didn't release it before he got elected. No. And he still won. Russian influence or not, he still won. By a narrow margin. Yes. Which is why they keep saying that, especially in this case, it could have been down to Russian influence that made the difference. There's a lot of stuff that's being talked about right now about gerrymandering all these lines for all these, I guess, the, the voting districts. Which, if you look at a map, and I've seen people that go over this, it is incredible the way that these districts are shaped. And it really gets you thinking, yeah, they're probably 
doing this just so they can get, you know, whatever it may be, Republican majority or Democrat majority in whatever area that they have and and win seats in the Electoral College that way. It's it's a lot. It, it must go back very, very far to have this much planning and this much organized. They did. Um, I can't remember the show, but they had a televised sh show explain the, the history of the gerrymandering and how it was set up at one point to be fair and then now just based on the way that things have changed if i'm remembering right which seems to be a reoccurring theme here it's just recalling information that it no longer works in the favor of you know the general voting public case in point I mean, the popular vote at this point should be the way that it goes, you would think. You mean just for <clears throat> taking the votes of all citizens? And yeah, all citizens. Well, but the reason they say that that wouldn't make sense, and I, I agree with it as to why the Electoral College makes sense a little bit, is then you would have essentially the West Coast, L.A. and you know, California, and New York, the highest population density states, essentially swaying the country in a direction which could neglect the interests of Central America, you know, states where there's lots of farming industry and other industries out there, which wouldn't necessarily be fair. That's so true. It, it makes sense as to why it exists in the first place. There's lots of debates of how fun how functional it actually is, but I, I think it's better than just a popular vote. And, and I don't know how exactly how that would work in a country like Canada, because I feel like Canada's a little bit more unified other than perhaps some issues to do with oil pipelines and things like that those tend to draw a little bit of heat from both sides so and and our population centers tend to be on we have a west coast out in bc there's the high population density as well as just the toronto like greater toronto area and other than that canada's fairly spread out as far as population density goes so i don't think it's as necessary here like a popular vote would probably get a lot more pop, the popular vote would probably get a lot more done here that's effectively. true. And then I suppose in smaller countries, you could think of European countries. It's kind of just dense everywhere. I don't know how they do their stuff. I don't know either. Hmm. Um, I mean, positive note, we're over a year into the Trump presidency. There's no nuclear war. That's good. I mean, it's kind of looming on the horizon. It is looming, times. but... It all depends on whether or not you think that everything that happens, even in Canada, if it has a full effect over everything, there's small changes, you know, minimum wage went up and that affects some people. But over time, do you really think that there is enough of like every prime minister, or every president has enough of an effect on his end to change things? Or is it all the people above him, right? Like there's political influence, obviously. Right. And they're the ones making the decisions more so than the president. Like, do you think we really have just been bought and sold? And they're not I mean, as bad as the United States well, has. Yes. Corporate interests in the States run basically everything. At least if, if it is that way in Canada, it's not evident. I don't know. Sometimes I just think, you know, the world's going to hell. We're all just clapping along. And it's every, okay. Every empire falls. Yeah. People tend to forget that. A lot of people like preppers and stuff seem kind of crazy to lots of people on the outside. But you know what? 
things could turn upside down real quick. Well, they could. I, and it's uh, you've seen things like that Hawaii incident mm-hmm. where it was just a drill. Yes. Nobody knew it was a drill. No. Now they didn't burn the city down. At That's least. true. And nobody reacted. They didn't know it was a drill. People were like, "What the hell's going on?" Yeah. You don't do that, drill or not. If there was no warning and you didn't know what was going to happen, you at least run and cover. Run and hunt wouldn't yeah. do anything. But it was weird <laughs> listening to a lot of people give sort of a an account of that because I was listening to the, I think it might have been WBFO, the NPR station, but they were just people calling in saying, "Yeah, you know." I got the notification on my phone, but I was at work at my office, you know, just doing doing paperwork. And I thought, well, if it's going to come, it's going to come, and there's nothing I can do about it, so I'll just stay here and keep working. And that is a surprisingly calm attitude to have about a warring of impending nuclear war on your small island. Well, if you knew that it was coming, and there's nothing, like... Get in a basement, or get well, yes. in some, the center of a really large building or something. I feel like Americans should know enough about how to protect against... Protect against radiation in a nuclear situation, especially with the Cold War being a big issue back in back in the day. Well, that's that's the Americans in general. It doesn't mean that the that the modern era working American um, would know exactly what to do. They don't. I, I mean, here we didn't do we didn't do the Cold War bomb test in high school. I mean, now we know that hiding under a desk won't do much. But not against beta and gamma radiation, though. Not a lot. My aunt said that all this looming threat with North Korea and everything is very, very similar to the looming threat of the Cold War. Like, minus the fact we're in a different technological time, we communicate differently, the overall threat is just very, very similar, which is more ominous than my aunts normally get, but... When did you have this conversation? Uh, consistently over the past year, we oh. talk about it because I'm they they are on the more conservative side. Okay. So when they say it, it's a very looming threat and it's very similar because they were around then. At least one was old enough to remember. Uh, I'm taking more of the side that we're in a very interesting time. I can't do anything about it, no, no matter what I think. Huh. I, I can't change the fact that he's president. I can't stop a nuclear war. And but if you I, could prepare for a disaster, have a plan. I could. To drive up to the boonies of Canada and... I was, I was told that I may be okay in the plan as long as I act accordingly at one point. Driving up to the boonies of Canada with a certain someone who has a plan already. I guess. Yeah, you're right. Still wouldn't work depending on where a bomb goes off, but... Well... Yeah, you got to drive past Toronto, so if Canada's a target, kind of a problem. Yeah, Although the range of most nuclear weapons would still leave most of the highways intact if, if people aren't clogging them up, which they most certainly would be. So we're not in the best place no. to be for that, no. So, I mean... Although people live in Barrie, they're set. Just get on the 400, go. Just hoof it. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. Am I worried? A little bit, but... I'm also worried that a meteor is just going to crash into the planet. Well, that's just it. Everything. The, the whole, I'm surprised that we haven't hit, because we, we've talked about it briefly before, this whole existential thing, but yeah. we've, we've swept it on the rug. We haven't mentioned it at all. The, the meteor thing could very well happen. And 
I, I don't have a telescope good enough. I don't know what's out there. I don't know what's heading towards us. Well, it's it's disconcerting when you hear the experts with all of their, you know, their big How close they've and been. Everything. And they just say, well, we almost got hit by something that would have obliterated pretty much all the life on the planet two days ago. We just found out now because we saw it wasn't past us. Yeah. Like, well, great. That could have been it. Yeah. The news is a little late. Yeah. I mean, it's good. They wouldn't have reported if it had hit. Then nothing to report. True. <laughs> And there's also interesting things like there's some volcanoes big enough. I believe there's some in like perhaps the Philippines that if they went off, you'd hear it halfway around the planet, which just makes me think if you're within like a thousand kilometers of this thing, what happened? Do you just explode? Like what is going on? Do your eardrums not work anymore? Maybe. It's got to be really, really loud if you can hear it this far. I don't want to know. I don't want to find out. No. Well, but it's this thing that it's going to happen. We just don't know when. Well, that volcano, I've been uh, in, uh, oh, Jesus, the volcano in the state part in the states. Oh, in the Yellowknife, or what is it, the yellow, <laughs> why don't I know? I'm having, I'm drawing a blank too. Uh, the geysers, Yellowstone, Yellowstone National, National Park. National Park. Yeah. They know that it's due. They just don't know when. <laughs> Have you looked at the radius on that thing for damage? It's big. It's big. Like, it's Ooh. not good. And it's one of those things where it's like, well. Do I buy a house anywhere near this place or what? Because it's beautiful. Yeah, for now. And you might be fine for a thousand years. Yeah, you, you can be fine for the rest of your life. You yeah. can be fine for the next three generations, four, ten. Yeah. Sounds like prosperity for anybody living today. Yeah, but it could go off tomorrow. Unlikely. Yeah. But it could. So the the impending doom is all around us. Yes. Um, the, the quote that I go by is very, very true until the end. Like, if we were to actually all die, then the quote is no longer valid. But Well, it's going to happen, so. Well, yes. But I say as a man, like as a human species, we all die. Okay. Well, that's also going to happen, but yeah. <laughs> if there's anybody living under the ocean... Right now? Yeah. You think some crazy... <laughs> There's impermanent structures, like underwater hotels and things. I don't think anybody lives underwater full-time. Mm. You would have issues with the resources getting down to you. That's true. Unless you could farm underwater, but having... If you could run electricity down there, yeah, you could run lights to grow food and have an underwater city. I think we have the, the technology required to do it at this point in time. We should maybe start digging. I don't know what the long-term effects of that would be on the human body. Probably be fairly similar, if not reverse, to the effects when astronauts go out in space. No, well, I would th I would be very different actually, because all the ones in space tend to do with not having gravity pulling your body in a certain well, direction. Well, it'd be so, it'd be, so it'd be ocular opposite. problems and things like that. But if you're underwater, I one thing that I do know is if you go stay in like a you scoot up down to one of the hotels that that have been built. There's a depressurization process to go back up, essentially, so you don't have the nitrogen in yeah. the blood, boil, like, bubble and boil. And you have to take longer and longer to go up the longer that you've been down. So what if you're living underwater for three weeks? I don't know how that process would work exactly. Well, you have to get into a tube, like an elevator, and ride up for, you know, three days straight. Like, that's... I'd, I'd like to know how far the human body can push it. Plus, what's the effects of having that kind of pressure on your body at all times to begin with? 
Unless you have a regulated system monitoring air pressure, you would be getting a little bit more, much denser air into your body at all times, which would probably make you really weak by the time you come back up to the surface and have to breathe the regular non-dense air. It's true. But in a situation where we can't go back up to the surface. Sure. Just forget that exists. Do the whole fallout vault situation sealed in. Or um, uh, Blast from the Past. Weird like 1990s movie with Brendan Fraser. It's not good. No. It's not good at all. Interesting concept. Uh, was it... It was, Yeah, it was, it was... The Brendan Fraser kid, his dad, has a uh, war bunker, like a complete war bunker fit for 30 years of living wow. underneath his house. And they, one day... An airplane crashes right in front of their house or something like that. So they panic, thinking that it's a missile. It's it's a missile. So they go into the bunker and they lock it off, and the seal is locked for thirty years. So they can't get in. They can't get out. Well, that seems like a flaw in the design. You probably want to be able to get out if you're inside. Well, I mean, nuclear. You, you might want to wait thirty years. <laughs> I think he goes up because his father gets sick and he needs to take a look, but it's it's kind of like reverse Back to the Future, right? Hmm. Somebody starting in the past and going, well, I guess it's like Back to the Future too. Starting the past, going to the future. Right. So it was, it was neat, but no, we're still here. It's all that matters now. Yeah. We can do a little bit to help, but it's, it's, easy it's to tough. Play. Question if you really can do anything to fix that situation. Well, even the small situations, like, you know, our garbage problem. It is true. Like, they say one man can make a difference. But if I stop littering and nobody else does. It's hard to really see any impact from that. Yeah. There's a huge issue of human complacency with the way that things are going. And it's even worse because all these countries that are still developing and sort of catching up to the the amount of technology and the lifestyles that we live, they want to live the same lifestyle as, you know, the average North American. Of course everybody. they do. So they, they want have to, it nice. They want to start, you know, factory farming and eating more meat. And you, you look at India as an example, a country that was largely vegetarian for, for a very long time. Now you're seeing huge increases in the amount of meat that they're eating. It's really leading to, because even if we fix our behavior now, they're going to be screwing things up worse than we ever could because they have more population than we do. So it's, Kind of, kind of inevitably going to have a, a tipping point. I think you would think they'd want to live like us, but they'd be like, you know what? They're they're the uh, the average guy is a little fat. Yeah, maybe less meat, maybe, maybe more vegetables, less maybe processed food. That's pro but that that's also the other thing that's changing. Uh, with fast food restaurants being publicly traded companies, and they have to have year over year growth. They're running out of options in the States. Some fast food restaurants are stagnating, so they're going overseas. They're going to other countries, and they are causing obesity in other countries as well. KFC in China, oh, it's making the Chinese fat. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I don't, McDonald's is trying to spread its fingers all over the planet. I, don't, mm -hmm. I think it's probably more popular in a lot of countries outside of North America, because here it's very much at a decline for popularity, at least among its typical age group. It's a lot of older people that still go there, I would say. Coffee. Yeah, coffee. Which is not at all really unhealthy, so. 
it's kind of better for us. Um, well, the only, I, I went to, because it was novel, I went to a Burger King and McDonald's in Italy. First off, the architecture in these restaurants, they looked like an Italian and an Italian Burger King and McDonald's, like really well designed. Makes sense. I'm pretty sure it had something to do with the way they were built into the building they existed in. Like they probably couldn't have changed it that much. No. Because they're all old buildings. Um, and they were packed. We weren't really in a touristy area, so I wonder if it is re- like that much more popular because it's quick. I get it. People are busy. The, the concept has always been a good idea, having a quick meal because you are busy. The follow-through, not necessarily the greatest. The size of the meals that we're consuming, again, not great. Yeah, it really never was focused on the health in the past, but it McDonald's is a pretty efficient system. I mean, I never, I sometimes will screw up an order or something like that, but otherwise I'm generally satisfied when I go there other than knowing that I'm eating something that's terrible for me, which is why I tend to avoid it if I can, but. Well, the, the system is really good. I learned that Dairy Queen was around as a franchised quick service style restaurant, although it was mostly an ice cream parlor back then type mm-hmm. thing, way before any of the fast food restaurants. So when everybody gives credit to McDonald's for being like the, the main franchise fast food restaurants, it, one of the earlier ones was Dairy Queen. I've, they put a little plaque up in one of the Dairy Queens that I've been in that it basically shows the entire history of Dairy Queen next to Orange Julius because they combined, I guess, yeah. at some point and bought each other out. But, yeah, no, I've, I've read every single point, and they've achieved a lot of things that you wouldn't see at other fast food restaurants. And it, I think it was as early as, like, the 1920s that they were getting quite big. And you, they, they were talking about how many locations they had opened by that point. There's tons of them. Apparently, at one point, there was a restaurant competition called Milk Queen. Because when you Google yeah. Dairy Queen, a lot of the articles say, you know, make sure it's, it's Dairy Queen, not Milk Queen. So somebody... I guess tried ice milk. <laughs> ice milk. Um, actually, Dairy Queen, as far as the franchise system goes, is apparently a franchise, a company that will allow a little bit of pushback uh, from their franchisees, or they'll let them go independent. There's a Dairy Queen in Port Colborne mm-hmm. that operates independently of the Dairy Queen franchises but still has the blizzard, still has the special deals because it is a very unique Dairy Queen, old school. One stand, it's only open during the summer. The old school sign, one room, no restaurant, no bathrooms, no nothing. It is basically just an ice cream stand, but they have every, like it's, it's very retro. But when the franchisee went to renew his, his uh, franchise contract, one of the things in the contract said it had to be updated. He's like, I'll sign it again, but I'm not updating. Hmm. And they let him not update. Really? Yeah. Well, then, but that's not quite independent at that point, is it? Well, it's not independent, but he doesn't have to follow. Like most Dairy Queens now, in some capacity, serve food, serve hot food. But he doesn't. Hmm. Some of them don't sell, like, one thing I like to always get at Dairy Queen, because they're probably one of the better places for it, is onion rings. And I find... 
Yeah, some of them just don't sell it. They don't well, sell, but they'll sell like burgers and things like that, which is weird. I don't know. I find I, it strange that they wouldn't do both. Again, reading from the the apparently very very long Dairy Queen article, there's a variety of different Dairy Queen menus. Like it's not uniform, so you can go to a place that just sells ice cream, all the way up to a place that has full table service, and you can get like steak at your Dairy Queen. Yeah, really. Never that is in the states. Yeah. A lot of it's in Texas. Makes sense, but it, it there's a giant range. Like there's no, there are a few McCafes that just serve coffee, but there's no McDonald's that just serves ice cream. Like no. there's no McDonald's that just serves chicken. Like they serve. I mean, there might be overseas somewhere. Yes, places where they wouldn't eat beef. But. Yeah, but. I don't think of where I want to go with that. <laughs> Under the weather. Yeah, a little bit. Flu season's hitting most of North America. Pretty yeah, much. every every day, new article on Facebook about how it's it's worse. It it ran through the store too. Lots of people were sick. I was okay. I got paid more. <laughs> I know somebody's now out with pneumonia. Yeah, which isn't flu. No, not. But you could probably get pneumonia if you're already compromised. You probably, and she was sick beforehand. Yeah, so. that'll do it. Yeah. yeah. They, I keep hearing on the news, they keep keep track of all the children that are dying from the flu. And I think we're up to eight now in Canada during the flu season, which is just awful. Like, I remember being really sick with the flu as a kid, but I never thought it was something that could kill me. I know. And I, I don't know, it's weird. The flu is horrible. And I see other people getting it, and whether or not I get the flu shot, some years I do, some years I don't. It's a lot of people. I tend to not get sick in the winter, for whatever reason. I might get a sniffle here and there, but I don't get sick. Right. I'll get sick in the spring. I'll get sick in the fall. Climate changes screw me up. Yeah, I would say that I'm kind of the same with them. Mm -hmm. I'll usually get a cold fall time. Yep. Get another cold spring and time. I get, like, I get... 100% congested. Yeah. I need to drug myself up in order to do what I need to do. And that was really hard dealing with baby photos. I had to lie to a lot of moms mm -hmm. saying it's allergies. It was in a house with cats. Oh. Mm-hmm. I never... It's kind of shady, but yeah. I know. I never... I always kept a ton of hand sanitizer. Never sneezed on the babies. Never did anything like that. Kept my way. Didn't breathe on them and whatnot. Kept a good range from the babies most of the time anyway, so... Yeah. But being a contractor, there's no sick leave. It's true. Also, I, it's a weird thing for me because I initially thought I was sick. What would have been, let's see, about so three days ago. And I, I went into work in the morning, so it, didn't, it wasn't that bad. And then by the time I'd been at work for about an hour, I'm like, there's no way I'm getting through. It's amazing how it hits you. Yeah. So I went home, just stayed in bed the rest of the day. My muscles were really aching. It was just a weird thing. But then... The next day I woke up and I'm like, I feel like I have a cold. So I was like, okay, I'll just go to work. It's fine. It's fine that entire day. The I, That was on a Thursday. And then Friday came. I started feeling worse throughout the day. And by the end of the day, I was so sick. I thought I was just going to pass out on the floor of the house that I was building just because I, I didn't even know how I was going to get home at that point. And it was, it was a pretty big pain in the air. So I eh, took off the Saturday after that and then... Hopefully I get over it at, the, at that point. 
I don't even know how long, how long do they typically last if you have this strain of flu? Was it like a week? I think it's, I think it's fairly long. <laughs> not looking forward to any more of it, really. Well, you seem, I mean, if it is the flu, you seem like you're, you're taking it oh. well-ish. Was not well at all yesterday, no? that's for sure. Although I've learned, usually I'll take like Buckley's or something like that as a, a cough syrup and, a, you know, the ones with the flu coverage too. Rope testing tastes so much better. It's amazing. <laughs> I like my pills, my Tylenol cold and sinus. Yeah. They work very well. Is it just acetaminophen in that or is there some other ingredient? That's a good question. I know. I this is okay. This is a bit of a story. Then, because I'm gonna, I can go here. The there's three ingredients in the Robitussin that I'm taking, but one of them is pseudoephedrine. Pseudoephedrine is a very interesting drug because I found out about what it was and what it could do at at one point when I was had first begun my thesis project and I, I'd gotten a cold and I went to a pharmacy and they they recommended that I get pseudoephedrine. And what does like, it do? Okay. Yeah, so I I got it, went home took whatever the dosage was that I was supposed to take and I looked up its effects and it started saying things about it being a minor stimulant and I was like okay sooner like I would say within about 15 minutes after I had read that information I was typing something up for the thesis project I was you know I was still making the outline at this point because it was very early on in this the project but I I looked at my you know I looked at my watch or whatever or the time on my computer and I realized oh an hour and a half has gone by. Oh, I have like a thousand words down. What just happened? And and I, I decided, I think I took maybe another dose for, to deal with the congestion. And then I was like, I'm going to save these. And sure enough, by the end of the time when I was doing the thesis project, I was like, okay, there's two days left before this is due. I have a lot to do. Took still standard dosage with, with caffeine because I was drinking a lot of coffee at the time. It is an incredible stimulant. I don't know. I, I think I might be partially attention deficit, but it fixed that right away. Like, I never even would have thought that I was attention deficit until <laughs> until I tried this stuff. So I'm like, is this what people can focus like normally? Yeah, you think you're focused, but then you see something else that shows. I, I would say that I'm a, I'm a multicast. Like, if I'm working on anything on my computer, I'm loading up music. I'm scrolling through some kind of article. I'm switching between things constantly. So that, that's where I noticed the biggest change is I could just look at one thing and not think about doing anything else. That's neat. Makes me wonder what Ritalin and the other attention deficit disorder I don't know. drugs would do. I know that um, in October, uh, during, the, during the, the week after week wedding season, or like weekend after weekend, uh, and then catching up from the, from the summer stuff and whatnot, I got my cold because mm -hmm. it was a late, it was a late, um, actually it was the beginning of September. Um, but it was a kind of a late season change cause it was warm through October. So for the first time ever, I really had to rely on Tylenol cold and sinus. I think we did a wedding. We did a wedding in Toronto where I had to continuously go pop pills in order to even be able to breathe. The dancing wedding? Yeah. Yeah. I was sick. Um, and it, there's two different types of Tylenol cold and sinus. And I, <laughs> on the box, it's the same, same dosage. Right. Same product. One is Nighttime. liquid capsule. Okay. And the other is pill. The pills 
nothing. The liquid capsules, oh, such, and I may have been taking them at a bit too high of a frequency. You got to be careful with the sedimentum because that's liver damage mm -hmm. at that point. Yes. Um, the, the, it worked. Yeah. And I don't, I don't take them. It's like, I'm not addicted to them. I don't <laughs> take them. But some people do use well, Tylenol way too regularly. I know. I, I don't. I needed them. And I mean, I didn't need them. I could have been in bed, but we had work to do. And then it was just continuous work. So I was using them. Uh, really interesting head high. Like I could feel the, the, the drugs in me which is not good because I know I was taking more than I should have. Yes, and you'd I, like to function normally in that deal situation. But um, the, uh, the aftermath, the, the coming off of it, it was just, it was, it was a very weird experience for a legal drug. Hmm. Uh, other things, I lost my sense of taste. Wow, mm -hmm. that's pretty profound mm -hmm. wouldn't have thought that and i don't know if it was because i was sick Pro well sickness will lead to that so but you would think because if you can't if your nose is stuffed you can't taste no, no but if no, my no. nose my nose wasn't stuffed because i was taking the tylenol so my nose was clear still didn't have the taste now still being sick i'm sure it screws with your taste a little bit mm -hmm. but lost my sense of taste and of course appetite yes so she had a lot of food at that wedding they did there's no, there has yet to be a wedding where there hasn't been a lot of food. Yeah, but they were, yeah, some of them are less professionally prepared than others. They, they had a lot of really fancy courses and, and separate parts to the meal that I thought were pretty good. The one fun wedding, and we weren't invited to the reception, so, but we went to the reception because the ceremony was done early. So we covered the reception on the video and they started bringing up the food and it wasn't good food. It was nachos. It was pigs in a blanket. It was, but it looked so good. Nachos, like real, like stadium nacho cheese and oh, everything. Yeah. Uh, little pigs in a blanket. Little, just really good French fries, stuff like that. And we didn't take any. I, I, I told Justin, I'm like, we weren't supposed to be here. We don't have a table. Mm. We don't have a table. That means they weren't expecting to serve us. It's true. And the food came out about 15 minutes before we were done. So I'm like, it's, it's just an overlapping issue. But we were sad. That is a shame. Yeah. It's nice being able to eat at so many weddings all the time since we're doing wedding photography and videography. Well, I it, it helps businesses. More wedding venues should have a restaurant. I did a wedding at the Stone Mill Inn. The food there, I've done two there actually. Food there, really good. Mm -hmm. And I know they serve that food at Johnny Rocco's. So I went to Johnny Rocco's. Expensive. Very expensive. But the food is good. It's pretty good, yeah. I've been there once and the price has scared me away from coming back. Well, I went A for the food because they had really good, one wedding we did, they had really good midnight buffet pizza, like stone-made pizza. And it was really, really well-made. And uh, my magician friend was performing at Johnny Rocco's, so it was kind of like a double dip. Got to have the pizza and got to see him perform. So it was neat. I'm not saying that every wedding venue should have 
a restaurant, I suppose, because a lot of venues don't have good food. Yeah. And a lot of venues don't serve their own food. That's the difference as well. I I know that there's some places that would just have caterers come in and mm-hmm. use a kitchen that's on site or, or have yeah. a place to store. A lot of venues are like that to yeah. an extent. Which gives a lot of mixed results. It is nice when it's all-encompassing and it's well done, of course. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's... Worst meal, there have been some bad ones. Even though it wasn't at a wedding, I it was at the the rehearsal dinner. I feel like when they serve you raw chicken, that mm. counts as the worst meal. Yeah, no, that's not good. So we drive the PEI, we get there, we go to eat. My chicken's pink. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to eat that. They're like, it's cooked. I'm like, it's not cooked. I'm not going to eat it. You don't want one of your videographers sick on the wedding day. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'd have to be like, hey, come an 18 hour drive make it in 16 come on <laughs> but um no that that would have been the worst raw yes. chicken that's you, what happens when you get somebody drunk barbecuing a lot of times at the rehearsal what like the rehearsal ceremonies that i've been to usually they just have some kind of barbecue set up and people just bring types of birds that they like and what it's sort of a mismatch of a lot of different things so i, I was it just like Large pieces? Was it chicken wings? Like what? Chicken breast. Chicken breast. Yeah. Hmm. Now preparing this for everybody. Pardon? They're preparing this for everybody. Like one person bought all the food. I, I don't know how it was dispersed. I think some of it was potluck because there was a ton of just random vats of chili and stuff like that. So there was enough food. Mm -hmm. But asking for the chicken, it was paint or it was uncooked, undercooked. So I got a second one, same thing. So I'm like, I'm not going to. No. Because it's it's too much of a risk on a day before a wedding. So That's an issue too with destination weddings is what if you get sick? I got food poisoning yeah. the night of their wedding. And I know I knew because they they booked out a reception hall at the resort and we all had steak. We got to choose between steak or lobster. I took steak as I was eating it. And it was mixed feelings because I was also happy because we found our GoPro. But <laughs> eating the steak, I'm thinking, something not right. But I couldn't tell if it was just because the cows down there would be on a slightly different diet. Things do taste slightly different down there. Yep. Should have went with my literal gut feeling. Hmm. Thank goodness vodka's clear. Yes. You're not, a, I mean, <clears throat> you have to drink clear liquids while vodka. <laughs> Oh, dear. Yeah. You, the biggest risk you always think of is the seafood when you're down. I never worry <laughs> about that because I don't experiment it's with annoying, it. annoying because I really like seafood. Well, now, if if we go somewhere like Florida, for example, I'm going to enjoy all the of fresh course, seafood I can get. Because they, they, the, they have the proper health standards. I like lobster. I do. It's good. I don't like lobster when it's not prepared in a safe a guaranteed environment. I wouldn't have ate lobster in Cuba. I ate lobster the last time I was in Cuba because we went to a fancy restaurant. So yes, you could say that their food safety was no better than the rest, but I felt better. And it, it didn't, it, I didn't get sick. No. But in Florida, yeah, go to town. Yeah. There, a lot of the, you get a lot of different ocean fish that you would never ever see up here. I know... One of them I really enjoyed was called mahi-mahi. It's a dolphin fish. 
That's so good. Oh my god. And <clears throat> I know Red Snapper is pretty popular, and there's there's a couple of them here and there. The the coolest thing that I would think I would want to do is go deep sea fishing and get one for myself. That'd be neat. Pretty much every time I hear of somebody who went, they'll go out and somebody on the boat will catch something, but they won't. Pretty much every time. So how much is that worth to you? <clears throat> deep sea fishing? Yeah. Like uh, if you if you because I feel I'm not 100% sure but for some reason as soon as you said that might have been deep sea fishing off of a cruise ship but I have a rough oh. idea of what that price was it, probably if it's a a day trip like you know like a six hour trip out in the the ocean usually it would be about 150 bucks four off the cruise $400 yes wow now again inflated now, prices I don't know it, it, it also would depend are you going with like some a bigger company. I don't even know how they really. On the cruise ships, they'd be they'd be verified yeah. vendors. They'd be verified excursions. A lot of times, those trips are just somebody's organizing it down to the beach, and they got a boat, and you know they got a they'll bring up maybe six people out on their boat, and then that's the way you do it. It'd be neat. I don't do enough, you know, shallow lake fishing to, but that'd be fun. It's a very different experience from what I I hear. It. Uh, Plus, you could get something on the line that weighs like half as much as you do. It really depends. There's large, large things. I, I know there's one tarpon, like a big six-foot-long fish. I've seen them snorkeling around in Florida before. Crazy to see. But yeah, there's lots of really, really big fish that mm -hmm. you would never see up in the fresh waters of Canada. That'd be fun. Other than sturgeon, I guess. You ever seen a sturgeon in mm -hmm. person? Gigantic. We, um... Stur where was it? It was at a... At a scout camp. But I forget where the camp was. It was way, way out somewhere. But that's where. Somewhere. Somewhere in Central Canada. Ontario. Yeah. Well, in Ontario, Central, well, we're south. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just throwing a guess out there. Muskoka region, let's say. Hmm. Yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll put that there. I don't know. That was years ago. Okay. Well, yeah, I would hope so if you're, you're not in the scouts anytime yeah. recently. No. That was fun, though. <laughs> Should tell any part of the story. No. Well, <laughs> no, scouts in general is fun. Oh. The, the camp, neat camp, long drive, very long drive mm -hmm. for kids. Uh, first camp I ever camped at with girls. Because I was, I was, because I wasn't in Scouts Canada. I was in a part of scouting that was brought over from Europe. Uh, called the Baden-Powell Scouting Association. So it was more true to the original scouting, whereas Scouts Canada nowadays, you normally don't even have to wear uniforms. Hmm. Like there, you lose the... The essence of... The essence scouts. of it. Uh, so the BPSA at first was just boys, like Boy Scouts were. Dropped the Boy Scouts, now it's just Scouts Canada or BPSA. And it was the first camp where we had girl... Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, but not Girl Scouts. So, Scouts of the female gender. <laughs> I assume. I don't want to assume anything. anybody's gender. That's true. Um, but that is an interesting thing because when you think about like the age that I was like ten or eleven, and then later on, you 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 camp with with people of the opposite sex for a week or something like that when mm -hmm. you're 13, 14, 15. Yeah, going to scout camp takes on a whole different meaning. Yeah. Whew. 
can imagine. Yeah. Hmm. It was a good experience. And then the, I, I wish I knew more about the camp that I can't remember. I don't even remember the name. There's a couple of them. Well, there's lots of them where, like, there would be school trips that would be organized and they'd have, like, a bunch of cabins and stuff in the woods. I know that there's one that I went to, I think, in my seventh grade, which it, it was an interesting experience. They had, like, you know, these big, I don't even know what you'd call it exactly, a gigantic rowboat that could fit maybe, like, 20 people. And you'd all, okay. you'd all have it, you know, set up yeah. paddles or whatever. And you know, we would do things like go from island to island and just play games organized with the, the school. But it was an interesting experience. That's neat. We only did that once. Funny enough, the uh, because the, there's a trip pretty much every year in grade eight. The whole trip, the point of the trip was to go to Niagara Falls and check out what the falls was like. I did that in grade nine. And now I pass by those the same places all the time, and it's like, yeah, you know, there's the 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 what is it? The cart that's in the sky. I can't think of the name. By the gorge. <laughs> the gondolas. Gondolas or whatever. Yeah. We went yeah. over there, and this is a big deal. Like, oh, we can ride that back and forth. But it's like, yeah. That, why would I want to do that now? We went to see the Welland Canal. <laughs> wow. <laughs> On the way to the falls. Yeah. You see it all the time. Actually, grade nine, new school. So grade nine, new teachers, new school. Go to Niagara Falls. They had to search our backpacks. I get to the line. They didn't search my backpack. I'm like, really? They're like, we trust you. Really? Yeah. They shouldn't have. The no. No. Because I, I was always, I was friends with everybody. I wasn't close with a lot of people, but I was friendly with everybody. So some people must have assumed correct. So I may have brought like a small, small bottle of whiskey for somebody. <laughs> nice. And they didn't search my backpack. The other thing I brought, which was smart on my part, is I would talk to teachers and I had asked one of them, and one of them stupidly gave me an answer. Like, how are you going to monitor? Like, I, I don't understand. Is everybody going to be on our lock and key? Like, so, I mean, for a grade nine, saying on Lundy's Lane, not that they could get into strip clubs. No, but, they couldn't. But, you know, there's a lot of trust there. So I'm like, how is that going to work? They're like, well, we're going to tape the doors. And uh, if we... I'm pretty sure she said like we're they were gonna use the like the uh, the green whatever it would be the green type tape painters tape painters tape and if it's ripped open we know you've left I'm like oh I brought painters tape that's so why would they even tell you that that's great they trusted me I mean some people say that I'm like a beta male or too trusting <laughs> or too nice but it has its benefits looking back I probably I sold that roll of tape by the way yeah. Looking back, I probably would have taken advantage of a lot more of the, the trust that our teachers had. I know it was the weirdest things because you could tell that they didn't understand technology at all. Because when I was on this trip in, in, in grade eight, a lot of some kids had cell phones. But the whole thing was, OK, you're not allowed to bring cell phones for whatever reason because they're like, you can't communicate with each other. And they're like, even they're like, oh, yeah, we heard that those little Nintendo DS things, you can you can chat with <laughs> each other on them. So you're not allowed to bring one of those. But then. The other kid, some kid was like, oh, could I bring my PlayStation Portable to play games? And then they're, they're like, well, we don't know anything about that. So, yeah, you can you can bring that. And it's just this weird mismatch of not understanding anything about technology and the way that we could easily just get around any of their little rules. 
eh, and it was very unstructured. Like we probably could have just left our hotel room at night and did whatever we wanted, but nobody had that idea. There was a there was a girl again in grade nine. Uh, she was a reserved girl, and I was in a room with, you know, it was boys in some like boys room, girl room type thing. But the hotel we were at is an L-shaped hotel, so it was boys in one corridor, girls in the other. But you could see across through the windows. Yes. <sighs> there was one girl who was very, 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 very friendly with the window, doing it on purpose. First time I ever saw a striptease. Really? Mm-hmm. Looking back, kind of weird, but... Yeah, first time, kind of neat. She was, she was kind of. Uh, I don't know if she was just dan or she was just stripping, or somebody else was egging her on. Nobody in our room was. Nobody in our room looked good enough to dance in front of a window. So no. I don't know if it was somebody else, but yeah, it was interesting. That's the the thing that people always talk about in the any hotel where it's sort of shaped in like a, a you know horseshoe or whatever is. So many instances you could just look right across like oh. There's a couple. My residence room at Niagara, I was, it was a, it's a U shape. Okay. I was in the middle, which makes it an L shape, technically. You can see both. I'm laying in my bed, and I'm, one night I'm looking up, and I can clearly see, because the third floor, I was on the second, third floor is a woman's only floor. I'm like, there's a slight design flaw. I see your boobies. <laughs> Not how, even being pervy about it. How big was the residence that uh, you stayed at? Three floors, probably like 200 rooms, 300 rooms. Maybe, Quite a few. Maybe less than, just trying to think of the size. It's a big residence. If you're ever in Welland, it's the only residence building on the Welland campus, but it is huge and I guess it's interesting having it that way because it's just one building. And Brockett was really fragmented. There was a bunch, there was some that were much, much older than others. The only one that I ever stayed in was called Quarry View. And it was essentially, it looked like okay. a set of townhouses. Yep. And there was. Is that the one where they're now by the by the McDonald's? And the, yeah. Yeah. It's that, I, I could see the McDonald's and Tim Hortons from my window, basically, I, which was a bad temptation a lot of times. Yeah, I did. But, I, I've been in those. Yeah. But they're, they're essentially split level. So. You walk in on the front and usually you would have, well, it depends really, but, you know, walk in one door, it goes upstairs, walk in the other one, downstairs, which pain in the ass. Are you downstairs or upstairs? I had an upstairs room. So I was on the top floor. I guess it would be technically the third floor. Well, yeah, it was, it was weirdly designed anyways, but I was as high up as you could get. Did you like your roommates? Yeah. Well, they made a mess all the time, but I didn't really mind that much because I just sort of stayed in my room and. Even did most of my cooking in there, too. So, worked out. Had a little toaster oven to cook things in. My experience there, the person I was seeing who lived there, she did not like her roommates. No. No. They did not. No. They would have made you sick if they cooked your lobster. They did not have proper food handling. No. Well, a lot. Of, I've been to a couple of parties in the other other rooms and like that. And it was, it, it got pretty messy a lot of people's places. I don't even know how a lot of these people made it through their first year of university with how much they would drink. I, mean, I know. One, one girl's room, they, 
I think the closet that they had at the front entrance was like filled with about a hundred bottles of li- like hard liquor. Oh, I know. I had I knew people who were uh, in the kitchen at residence. It was obviously like a rectangle, and there was room one and room two wall kitchenette, and they were filling this wall and the walls around the doors with beer cans, like just stacked up beer cans. Right. Looked really cool at the end <laughs> until you realize you get clean that. Holy crap, that's a lot of beer. Mm-hmm. Goes by pretty quick. So I'm told. <sighs> Feels like university is forever ago now for me. It was last year. <laughs> I know. Wait well, till you get five years. <laughs> I don't know. Life changes pretty quick once you're out there because you realize, wait, that wasn't that important. Let me move on to something else now. Oh, exactly. I went back, if I could go back and tell myself in high school, you know, I, I would say, like, chill a little bit. Because high school is fun. College is fun, too. But you're, gonna, you're going to hit, uh, you're gonna hit the real world really quickly, and it's not going to be the way you expected it. Nope. It's almost a sense of, like, betrayal your entire life where you, people just keep telling you to go do this, you know, go to university, get this good, secure job. But then you realize, wait, well, I can go to university, but it's not going to give me the job. And even if I got the job, there's no such thing as a secure job. And it's just this whole cascade of things you now have to worry about. I would easily say not to go to film school. Like if I could tell people again. If you have the ambition to film things and learn things on your own time and you actually don't need the structure of a college, the college system or university system. Or if you don't want the contacts. I mean, yeah, I, I, I still, I still have either. decent contacts if I ever need to use them. Because you can look at so many examples of people who are the people you would look up to as filmmakers who broke into the industry entirely independently of any of that. Or they got expelled from film school. Sure. Spielberg, expelled. Yeah. If you, now, I mean, someone like that you might say would come down to being so, they were so revolutionary in the way that they would view things or so different. He's also an unfair example. He's a a, a prodigy. Yes, he's a one-off. You can't say, well, Spielberg dropped out, so I'm going to drop out too. And get the same effect. Yeah. It's like the the Google and Apple thing. There's so so many success stories in Silicon Valley where there's businesses that have been started in garages. What you don't hear is the thousand other unsuccessful stories about businesses that have started in garages. So yeah, Steven Spielberg, yeah, dropped out of film school, did very, 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 very well. That's not to say I know some of them, the thousands of other people that have dropped out of film school that are not doing anything. No. Much less standing or sitting and talking in front of three cameras and enjoying it. <laughs> well, people who <clears throat> who did drop out, if, if they were taking advantage of essentially this big social media wave... That is, ever since essentially this, this spawn of YouTube has come around, really they would be in the best position. If, if long as you jumped on that early, because that's what's popular now, right? Who knows what's going to be popular in the future? But people who have taken advantage of like that, I, I always think back to Casey Neistat as a sort of an exemplary someone. I, I don't even know what I would call him necessarily. He, he did do traditional film stuff with his HBO series and all that, but. He's, he's sort of his own, doing his own thing, and it's hard to put him in any sort of category at this point as a filmmaker. 
well, he would, would you, it's a stupid term, but would you now just call him a, a social influencer? It make yeah, it's correct. It's not necessarily specific enough to the, the filmmaking side of it. Because there's lots of YouTubers that are maybe close to as popular as him. Not good filmmakers, they're just interesting people. Like us. Hmm. So. Um, well, the, the YouTube side of things, even if they weren't writing the, the YouTube, like even nowadays, if you want to go to film school, take the money, buy camera. You can learn it all online now. Yeah. Like more so now than in 2010 when I, when I applied, it has changed completely. Learning the camera is the easy part. I really think that people should be more storytelling driven to begin with. Well, that's then the hard part. Don't go where I went. Not telling it, them not to go. Yeah. You have to put two and two together. But if you want story driven, there's other colleges. If you want to learn the fundamentals of filmmaking from a tech standpoint, go where I went. Which is great if you're going to get hired as a camera operator or a switcher or something like that. But if you want to tell stories and and direct films and, and stuff of that nature. Realistically, if you got a degree in some kind of, you know, some kind of contemporary narratives or something, something more English oriented, could be pretty useful in that, in that regard. Well, there's that. The creative, because it's, it's, the way it's divided is there's above the line and below the line. And the above the line isn't necessarily all creative types. In fact, sometimes it's just financial, like the producers are above the line. But they're not necessarily creative. They're the they're the ones that are made or they exist to secure the funding. The below the line people would be the lighting, right? All the all the stuff that I technically went to school for. But then the directors above the line. So there's a lot of creative stuff above the line. Um, and to be above the line in a film world, yes, having the writing uh, side of things is nice too. But you want to be a set decorator. You want to be a set designer. You want to be a costume designer. That's all kind of on the lower end of the above the line, but for the most part, they are above the line. So you can be creative in many ways. And yes, a lot of set decorators may not have necessarily went to film school, but some of them have, because you have to learn what makes, especially lighting, but you have to learn what makes things look realistic on camera versus realistic in real life. That's that's the, that's the thing I've always wondered, and I've, I've, I should Google it, because I sit here wondering, I should do it, is how a film set, because I've got thinking about how we would shoot something outside of an interview. The lights that we're going to buy, perfect for an interview. Mm-hmm. For just three-point lighting system, it'll look sexy. Like, just perfect. Absolutely. How do you shoot? I, I want to know if it's possible. I assume it would be to shoot a movie with three lights. Like, I don't know, because there's low-budget films out there that can't afford... Even the lights that we're going to get. Yes, let alone multiple sets. Yes, you could rent them. That's an option. Sure. But I, I'm just I'm just curious as to how far we can push because we're, for the first time ever, we're not sparing any expense. We're, I don't see much of a limitation, really. If you're shooting something outdoors and you don't have access to power, that's an obvious limitation, but that's a limitation that film, every... Film studios do it all the time. Yeah. Generally with a generator truck. But. Yeah. And then <laughs> as long as the audio isn't that important or you mm-hmm. can get the generator so far away... ADR. ADR? Yeah. Automatic dialogue replacement. Oh, there you go. Post. Yeah, perfect. That would be a good way to do it. That's a horrible thing to do. Yeah, it's awful. 
Tila mentions it all the time where she sees dubs in movies where you can tell. You usually can tell, but say for a music video or something, if we're going to shoot one of those outdoors, it's going to be dubbed over anyways. Well, yeah. Makes no difference. Music video is really, yes, he's going to be singing, but we're, we're using it as scratch audio. Just nothing's going to be used from the outdoors. Exactly. So, yeah, no, I, I think we can use those lights in pretty much They're any nice situation. Lights. And if we ever need to use it in a situation where a generator is required, I don't think it'd be that out of the out of the way to just get a generator or rent it or something. I yeah. I know lots of people with extra generators being in the construction business. So it's exciting. It's a new frontier. It uh I wonder how good it is for the lights. Because usually they say you're not supposed to plug in really high sensitive electronics into generators like a TV. But I don't I don't think the lights would be too sensitive to I would feel like based on what they're used for Film, the, like they're they're not photography lights. Right. They are one hundred percent film production or TV production lights. So by that nature, a lot of productions use generators. I I should check perhaps before I buy them, but right. I would assume that they would be okay. Do they use special bulbs? Like something that has a different. Uh, uh, is it sixty hertz bulbs? I can't or? remember. No, just off off the cuff. I can't remember. You'd think that they'd have to be much brighter than typical bulbs. So I like there's got to be something special about them. I know that, thankfully, because of the company we're buying them from, we'll always be able to get them. Ari, as far as lighting goes, we'll be, we'll be set for bulbs. We'll be set for repair. Perfect. It's too bad that I have to buy it from the States. I checked Canadian suppliers and I can't get them. Henry said no. They wouldn't. Uh, I can't find anything that quality at Henry's. It'd be nice to have more diversity in the video and photo production side of things at least as far as our stores go because even the ones that have gone under due to just i guess going bankrupt and that's that great they weren't good no blacks was i i bought i bought one lens of blacks because it was right beside where my house was when it was uh blacks was in the mall but other than that there's nothing i would really want to buy from there especially with amazon i didn't really shop on amazon much back then but now if i need memory cards i'll order them or a new lens i can order it it's fine Henry's has a decent selection. It's it's the best as far as what you can find, and it's also nice that they will let you like you can go in and you can try out what yeah. you need to try out. So if you need a hands on look, you can't get that on Amazon. No, so it's nice to be able to go in. People in Toronto are a little bit lucky. There's lots of very lots of very well stocked places in Toronto, but if you're not in the city, you're kind of out of luck. And there's a Henry's maybe every couple cities that you could go to, but they're not everywhere necessarily. There's a Henry's in St. Catharines. Newmarket, Barrie. Henry's in London. Oh, definitely in Toronto. Toronto. I don't know if there's one in Hamilton. Yeah. There's an Apple store in Burlington, which is odd, but... Cheaper real estate than Toronto? There's I mean, an there Apple is. store in Toronto. Yeah. There's one, there's an Apple store in Mississauga, isn't there? Or somewhere around there. Well, there's one in the Eaton Center. I, yes, I've been to that one before. Yeah. So I don't know if there's one in Mississauga. It seems it, there could be. I Have you ever been to the Square One shopping complex? Mm -hmm. What do you think of it? I don't like shopping. So it looks nice, but I don't, I, I don't appreciate malls like other people okay. or centers. I've been there a handful of times. It's okay. Do you I've, ever... I've heard lots of good things about it. I just... I'd like to check it out, seeing as it's like the biggest mall that you could possibly go to around here. 
I didn't know that. <laughs> no? No. It doesn't seem that way? It's not... I When I went, it didn't seem like there was anything... There that you couldn't find elsewhere? It didn't seem extraordinary to me. Like, you go to the Edmonton Mall. Well, have you ever been out no. west? No. No. You go there, that would be a little bit different. They like, indoor too. submarine ride? Yeah. yeah. Not too many malls have that. <laughs> so, no. I guess I'll have to... <coughs> I guess I'll have to re-research... Uh, square one, but I didn't know that it was the biggest one in our general vicinity. Hmm. Uh, I have to go there at some point. Maybe I could convince Tila. Well, it's only an hour away. Yep. Not I mean, say it's bigger than any mall we have here. The entire area, like there's, it's, it's bigger, but it's very similar. There's a theater, like a lot of malls have a theater nearby. There's restaurants. But I guess I really didn't do that much shopping. So, I'm not a, I'm not a shopping person. I wouldn't would say that I'm not either. Most of my purchases tend to just be impulse buys. Like if, very often, Teal and I will be talking, and one of us will bring something up, like, "Oh, we we should probably get some of this." I'll be like, "Oh, is it on Amazon?" "Oh yeah, it is." Click purchase done. And then with the small quirky items, there's a lot of, a lot of times like we had to buy a this little stabilizer piece for the the drone camera on our, our Mavic Pro. Like the, it keeps the gimbal from messing all yeah. around when you're traveling, anyways. Which, when you read articles, a lot of people didn't realize, which is stupid. A lot of people didn't realize that it was a needed piece. I realized mm -hmm. we threw ours out, but that wasn't our. Yeah. They threw, they didn't realize it was a needed piece. They put the Mavic in their backpack and it's bouncing up and down with the bubble cover on. Yeah. And it's still, the gimbal stopped working. Yeah. So we should definitely get but, it. But it's one of those things where I looked on Amazon. It was pretty expensive, but you could go on eBay and for whatever, like eBay is kind of a weird thing because you should just be people buying things off each other, largely in the United States to begin with and just, you know, selling back and forth. But now it's a lot of just new products moving directly from Hong Kong or wherever it is in China that they're, they're coming from and you can get them really cheap. I've like, never been on eBay. Never been on eBay. Never. Hmm. I would say that's where my online shopping started for the most part, but. But it's, it's simple things like that. Like, you want that that part on Amazon. Did you get the the tripod clips as well on eBay? Yeah. The ones for the slider? Yeah, the convert, the core. Have they arrived yet? No. <laughs> but this is the problem because you're, you're getting stuff directly from China. So something that's $12 on Amazon could be like $1.50 on eBay, but it might take a month to get there. Or it might take even longer if something weird goes on. Although I must, I've, I've received literally everything I've ever ordered. Ex ah, that, there's one exception though. The there was a system of wireless speed light triggers. I can't remember what the name brand was, but it's a cheaper ver. It, it, it's a very cheap version of a, a much more expensive system. And I ordered them. I waited like a month. Never came. And then I got an email one day saying they're not coming. They're, you know, they stopped producing the specific ones or the factory just doesn't have them anymore. Just gave me a full refund. Oh. It, oh, you. Never been burned anyways. You can't, uh, can't get mad at that, I guess. Actually, even, it's strange too, because conversing with sellers, a lot of times they're not nice people. They will, like, I, I was trying to get my dad a new phone because he just, his old one wasn't working. And he, he decided that the best one for him would have been the Samsung S6 Active. So it's supposed to be, you know, sh shockproof and water resistant. And all a little bit more rugged. Yeah, rugged phone. 
He got it, and of course, the first thing he wanted to do was stick it underwater, take a picture with it. Fried instantaneously. Ouch. Which I don't know to what level it is water resistant, but I would expect more. But it just instantaneously done. The I then now was the intermediate since I had ordered it. But water resistant versus waterproof. I don't I don't know. I, I think the ones the active at least nowadays are waterproof. Waterproof. There's a difference. Water resistant, it can yeah. be out in the rain. I be. I don't know. I'd have to, to double check it. But anyways, I went through the process of trying to return this device as the intermediate because I ordered it and I had it sent to my father's address. So now ugh, that was that was not a fun process, but the the seller would not stop bugging me about causing damage to the device. Like he can't, I I probably exchanged about four emails back and forth of him saying, "Okay, but if there's damage on it, you're not getting a refund." This that the other, like you have to be absolutely sure before you send this. And I I kept reading like, "No, it's not damaged. I'm not going to say that it is. And then, regardless, the moment that it was sent in the mail and eBay had gotten word of it, I got my refund hmm. right away. But it's almost as if the seller knew that if I was too worried to send it back, he wouldn't have to give the refund. But now he, you know, he got back a phone that was water damaged, but he never sent me an email back about it. Interesting. Yeah. It's a very strange situation that really shouldn't have happened. I was buying a, not off of a, well, it was off a website. I was buying uh, a, a um, modem when I got my apartment. Okay. And it was, it was one that somebody suggested to me. And it was nice because you could plug in a hard drive to it and kind of, you know, set up your own personal cloud. That's kind of a neat feature on a modem. Yes, it was. Never had one like that. It's good. Did it make your files publicly available? No. Okay, good. Only only to the people who are connected to my network. Oh, it's a bit dangerous. And if they knew the password. Oh, okay. So it's you can see basic and it, it's still like this today. You can see the the uh, cloud link or whatever you want to say it, the the wireless. Basically what it is, it turns a regular hard drive into a wireless hard drive. Or network attached network storage, attached device. storage device, yeah. whatever. And I'm like, okay, I want that. That's handy. So I ordered it off of what was the what was the wasn't Best Buy? Who Best Buy buy out or who went bankrupt? Future Shop. Future Shop. Yeah. Was it Future Shop? That Do was a long time ago, wasn't it though? Probably like six years ago. Yeah. Who was it? Places where you might order such a thing would be like Tiger Direct or Newegg or NCIX, Canada Computers. They were they were in where the the IKEA drop off place is in at the Fairview Mall, but I can't remember who it was. There was a Future Shop there. Then it must have been Future Shop. Yeah. Okay. So bought it from Futures. So that was three years ago, though. Maybe they didn't close this early. Nah, I don't know. I'm going to look this up. You keep telling okay. the story. So bought the hard or bought the hard drive, bought the modem online. It went from, you know, per or like uh, product purchase to uh, order order received, but then it never shipped. Never shipped at all. 
And I waited and I waited and I waited. So I finally called and I said, what's up? Like, well, we're just trying to source the product. It's no problem. Sometimes this happens. It's okay. Like, okay, just so you guys know, I moved into my apartment. Uh, I bought this two weeks before I moved in. It's kind of important that I have it. Like, okay, sir. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is it Future Shop? Hmm? Is it Future Shop? Did you see one Future Shop? Yeah, it's more recent than I thought it was. The 66 locations it has or had were closed on March 28th, 2015. So it's it's more recent than I thought. Oh, you know what? Then it was 100% Future Shop because I moved into... Okay, so here's what happened then. It wasn't Future Shop. It was Best Buy. Okay. But Best Buy had taken over Future Shop locations when Future Shop closed. Yes. So I bought the I bought the modem from Best Buy. That makes more sense because I moved in April 1st, so it was right at that transition. Best Buy said, it's okay, we're just trying to source it. I'm like, okay, I'm waiting. It's the first time in a long time I've had to use a wired connection, which now I use all the time for my iMac. It'd be very fast. <laughs> oh, it was. And reliable. And it is now. Um and then finally, I'm like, okay, when is it going to come? Like, it'll be sent out. Like, okay. You re- it, was, it wasn't cheap. So I said, you're sure it's coming? They're like, yes. I'm like, okay. Item canceled, and I was given a refund. But they never said that it was unavailable online. So I, now I'm blanking on the, the, the actual part of the story, but they said it. They never said it was unavailable, so when I bought it, like, if you didn't have one, I don't understand why it was online. Like, I shouldn't have been able to purchase it. They're like, well, you know, we feel bad. We'll give you this discount for your next purchase. Then somebody called me saying that they had one. Uh Uh-huh. And then they wouldn't honor the discount. Why? Because they it wasn't considered a next purchase. Like, I, I don't Is understand same how item? same item or whatever. And I think the reason why they wouldn't discount it was because it was the, the modem was lower than what the discount was like. The modem was whatever, a hundred bucks or yeah. $125. And the discount was only on prices like $149 and up. Hmm. But it was a good discount. And I'm like, this you've made me wait for three weeks. Buying online shouldn't take this much of a hassle. I gave them a little bit of time when the Best Buy th- or when the future shop thing happened. I get it. There's a transition. It was a big transition. And they gave it to me for the severely discounted price. Nice. Yes. And it works very well, even to this day. That's one thing that a lot of people don't think about because they just get their modem and router typically packaged in one unit from their internet service provider. But like I do remember a time when you'd have to buy those things separately. You can get a really, really fast. My guy at Kojiko said, don't get ours. No, no. He's like, uh, they're slow. The ones from Bell tend to be pretty good from what I've heard. uh, But I'd like to just go back to the old days of just buying my own equipment just because you can can skip the renting fee for the the internet. The renting fee is dumb. It is because you just perpetually, you would have paid the thing off several times over by the time you're done using the internet with them. But it's nice to have your own equipment, too, because you can pick the highest spec thing you possibly want. 
Like I don't think the current router we have supports five, the five gigahertz band. So kind of missing out on that front, especially when it comes to streaming things, which I do a lot of these days. No, it's nice being able to have your hand in your own equipment. That's true. You like the control. You make it the way you need it. Nowadays, with technology being as customizable and personal as it is, you should be able to do it. And it's nice. I don't know if any internet providers actually lock you into their to their equipment, but at least Kojiko didn't. They were like, yeah, you don't need to get ours. You can just get no. your own. No, pretty much with anybody, you could bring your own. Which is good. Yeah. There's very large discrepancies in Ontario with the speeds that are available in certain locations, especially like I, I, a boss of mine where he lives out in Chippewa, the internet service provider, like I guess he's with Bell, but the service he could get is significantly slower than anything you could get even like a, not even a five minute drive away. I think the, what he was being offered was something like 10 megabits per second download speed. And it it was one of the higher end packages for out there. It funny story with that too is it never worked. Like he, <laughs> he would have people come to his house because he, he would have troubles. Like the internet would stop working suddenly, and he get certain error codes with with different equipment he's trying to use, and and they come by and usually it was my job to just sit in his house and wait because I mean he could be making more money out building houses and things like that and directing the crew. So I would just be at his house waiting for the, the technician. Every time, the technician would just say, yep, everything's fixed. The The pole had this problem. It was a corroded wire. There was this, whatever in place. Like, it's for sure fixed. Not even like a week later, same thing. My boss would have to call in to Bell and get the technician out there. Every, t- every single tech would say, oh, I found the problem and I fixed it. Every single one. And I bet to this day, he still has problems, most likely. Just, just this weird quirk of real internet service. And I think... It's this crazy situation, too, because I'm pretty sure they had to credit him a bunch of stuff to use mobile data on his phone instead of just because the internet was out. He couldn't search anything on his home internet. It's a huge pain in the ears. It'd be nice if uh, if you went with a mobile provider and internet provider, if the mobile internet and the home internet were intertwined. We didn't have to worry. I mean, da- data costs are significantly more. I mean, you, you could get unlimited usage for home internet for well, probably plan starting at like $50 a month. But when it comes to cellular data, you probably, if you want two gigabytes of data for a month, you're probably starting at a plan that's maybe $70. Oh yeah, it's pricey. Yeah. So how would that transition, you think? I don't know. If you bought both, maybe like you bought a plan with a thousand gigabytes of usage at home. If you wanted to use those on your phone instead, maybe those thousand gigabytes would translate to five gigabytes on your phone i don't know it'd be interesting to, i'm sure there's discounts for bundling things that's what all these companies are trying to push yeah including tv and home phone yeah the cable is one of the big ones that they try to push i don't even know if they try to push home phone i still get pushes for home phone yeah like i i told them the last time they called i said i have a rotary phone and i do have one in the wall. If you can hook up that rotary phone so it works, done. They laughed. Yeah, no, they can't do that. I know they can't. Yeah. But that's the only, because that'd be freaking awesome. It'd be pretty cool. But yeah, you can't work your way around a touch t- touch tone pad navigated menu at all with that thing. Nope. Just a, would not work. So that's the unfortunate thing. The, the 
the only argument that would sort of sell someone on home phone, I think, these days, just because I did work at a call center and we were servicing a client that essentially provided all services, including internet, cable, and, and home phone and things like that. <clears throat> Most of the clients would use home phone still if, one, obviously they're older and that's what they're used to, that's all they need. But as far as young people buying it, it was mostly because the serv- the 911 services on a home phone are the only way that you can actually get exact positioning. So, for instance... There's a, an emergency and your child is making a phone call to 911 and the, the child doesn't know the, the address or anything like that. You can have that address traced exactly to your position, your exact home, because it's registered, and be able to solve the problem that way. Whereas with a cell phone, yeah, there's basic triangulation things they can do, but it's not What good is your enough. location? Yeah. Exactly. And a, a child might not know, exactly. know how to get that kind of help. So no. a lot of people do it for the security reasons. I think... I mean, the children thing, I thought that was where you were going because landlines make sense when you have small kids, not small kids, even young kids, when they become old enough that they can stay at home alone, like that 11 or 12, most of the time now they have cell phones, but the landline would still negate the need for a cell phone. Like I'm so concerned, (laughs) but when I have kids, because I see my nephews and I see other children, I saw a lot during baby photos that are just, ad- my nephews aren't, the the people, the baby photos, like addicted to screens and that's that's the way the parents parent. The, the kid is gonna be a nuisance during the baby photos, I'll give them my tablet. Like it's not, yeah. it's not the right way of doing things and then you get my nephew and niece who know very well how to use a, like use a tablet. My nephew for his birthday got a, wooden computer that very simply teaches you the fundamentals of building a computer, a working computer to play a tiny miniature version of Minecraft. Like it'll teach you the fundamentals of the wiring and connections. He's seven. So it's teaching you specifically about the way that transistor gates and stuff like that would work or like I, I haven't seen it in person. So I'm assuming it might be a semi dumbed down version, mm-hmm. but at least explaining that like the but why it gives you components that you could you put together? Safe components. Like somehow I, I feel like the computer itself, which I said that's in a box, probably has like Either safe connector components to build it. I don't. I don't know exactly. No. But it's neat. It is pretty neat. But they, as a reward system, they don't automatically go right to the tablet. They don't automatically go right to the computer. So this child and his father is in tech. He does. He does computer programming and whatnot. So you would think that the kid, he's good with computers, but he's not. His life doesn't revolve around them he's lucky if he'll get to play xbox Hmm. so it's a very interesting way of doing things but he's a social kid i spend a lot of time in front of the computer doing my job and a lot of times it looks more like fun i mean it doesn't look like fun but it's not working it's not typing it's editing it's and if we get into filmmaking or stuff like that it's going to be legitimately like interesting stuff to very watch. Creative. Yeah, very creative. So it's going to be hard unless we have a studio or workplace. It's going to be hard to say. Well, you know what, Daddy's actually working. 
That that is one of the big uh, age old problems of people who stay at home to work. Sort of just blends. I'm going to end up being a stay at home father. Yeah. I don't get a studio or something. I'm going to end up stay at home. <laughs> stay at home dad. A dream of mine is to build sort of a studio and office space. Just whether it, it might have to be on a you know private property that does, already does have a house on it or something, but. But it would be nice to have the commercial space to do it too, although that's a much, much bigger project to organize. But but the idea of being able to design your own studio space from scratch and have the office part of the building and everything, and you know, you design right. the parking area structure and all that, that, that seems like a dream. The parking area would be neat for internal offices, like commercial units. I have a fairly consistent visual image and it's awesome. It's clean. It's slick. Like Apple. Oh. Apple headquarters is a pretty good example. I read an article about their new headquarters and how the only problem is people keep walking into the glass. Oh. <laughs> Just wait a little bit longer between window cleaner and the window cleaner coming in. Which makes sense. Curve glass. It, on a good day, it'd probably be hard to see. So they're going to need those... Uh, those bird stickers, which is going to deter from the simplicity, so they never will. I don't know what they're going to do, but it makes sense. They should sense. just etch something into the glass, like a big Apple logo or something like that. That would look good. Like a frosted Apple yeah. logo. That'd be nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a funny problem to hear about just because my dad is a window cleaner. He runs his own window cleaning business, and he very often will clean the windows on some commercial space and then just proceed to, to watch somebody walk right into the glass he just cleaned. And it, it makes him feel good because he knows it's clean. But yeah. <laughs> it's got to be pretty funny. I think it, in a couple occasions, there's been people who have just smashed panes of windows, which is... Snowblower did that to an Apple store in New York. A snowblower? Chucked yeah. a rock or something? A uh, piece of ice. So mm -hmm. the Apple store in New York is just these long, huge panes of glass, mm -hmm. like 18, 20 feet tall panes of glass. $10,000 piece of glass, probably. <laughs> yeah. It looked amazing because it held its position. But it just shattered, like yeah. it looked neat, almost like it, like if you did it all the way around, it'd be a neat design. But it's not what they go for. No, that'd be the, the you talk about like the break in like tempered glass where it's all, yeah. And there's like a film in between it, so it all holds yeah. together. Yeah. But that would not have been cheap to replace. No, no that's um, the yeah the Apple the I don't know what you could do. You spent all this money to design. Did anybody ever think that people would be running into <laughs> all your maybe tiles on the floors or something? Because you would think you'd have over time, you'd have a rough idea where the door was. You would think. I don't know how. Well, I mean, but it could have been a new customer or something. That's true. But they say Apple employees keep walking into the door. Well, then that's their own fault. I Apple. know. Still recording? Everything is still recording, but the GoPro isn't, so. Oh. The least important of the cameras, I suppose. Did we not turn it on? No, it was recording. I think the battery probably just died in it. Oh, we don't have the, we don't have the, uh. No. So good to know that recording, well, how long have we been going? Uh, an hour and 35 minutes. Yeah, so we're right at our, our normal quit time. Maybe it's a good time to quit. I mean, we, we always, we tend to the first show. It was, oh, my mic died. The second show we went through completely flawless. The second show was great. And it looks good when you're yeah. going through the multicam. Oh, yeah. Looks really good. Trying to, I like being able to do a 
test run through watching whoever's not on camera. So, you know, I'll take my angle and then I'll be watching you waiting to see when you're going to interject or if you do something and then I'll quickly, it's very, it's very neat. Make it, it takes me back to the TV editing days, which is nice. Hopefully the GoPro stayed on long enough that you have that to switch to for some of the stuff where we're both talking. But. That's true. But even the two camera compared to the, the, um, the first show when it was just the GoPro and the single camera, not much to work with. No, it's the same angle basically. Yeah. So the GoPro, the reason why I haven't done anything with it is the GoPro is just essentially covering when the Magic Lantern had the few frames of off. Mm. So not much fun. But yeah. uh, what's next week? Next week is, yeah, we'll be back at it next Sunday, most likely. Yeah. I think uh, we should maybe have something structured, maybe switch it up, try something different. Just because. Well, the first show was nice when we, at least I had some articles to go off yeah. of, so we could do that again. Yeah, and I had a couple of topics, like I said, interspersed here and there, which related to your articles surprisingly well. It's good to be able to make a transition. Like I'm that. sure we, to a certain extent, must read similar because we. I mean, we both have seen the. You saw the 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 HomePod review before you showed Tila, right? Or was that the first? I didn't time see you saw it? MKBHD. Oh, okay. Though. Yeah. No, I saw it. Last Although one. that's just because I barely have any time to go on YouTube most days, so usually put it all in one day and watch it all at once. That works. So I'm sure, to a certain extent, we may read about similar things that we may find interesting to talk about. So that's good, at least. We'll figure out what the theme should be for next episode. Yeah, anyway. let a few days go by to see what what news happens. Sure. Maybe something big will happen, and then we could talk about that. That's also the other thing which we've talked about. How do you? stagger these like this is technically episode four yes we've been doing this for a month yes congratulations <laughs> month anniversary yeah uh but we haven't released a single one no i feel like we should release episode two or episode one episode one's not bad it's just boring yeah. episode two yeah perfect all the way episode three I don't know. I it might even, be a lost episode. It might be a lost episode. I haven't looked at it because it's depressing. This one, it's still going to be fine. Assuming that they were recording at just slightly enough different intervals that they won't shut off at the same time. Should be. Should so. be fine. But thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back next week, but it could be a few weeks. It's, I don't know what the release schedule is. Have a good week.